Acts 17, verses 5 through 7. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you guys, we got another Lunch with Laura coming up, right? And it makes me think back to a time a couple of months ago. At Lunch with Laura, you can, people can come and ask me questions, and they do it in a big group, but sometimes they come up afterwards. And there was a man that came up afterwards, and he said, I have a question that I really wanted to ask. Okay. He said, that stuff about changing the world together. Do you really believe it? Because a lot of people say that, but... And we're laughing because, yeah, right? That, that's what we say God is calling us to do. But don't some of us think, whoa, that, the world is big and I am but one person. What does it mean for us to put right there... In our call, in the, in the stamp that God has placed on our hearts, we believe we can change the world. Well, the first thing that that says is we're in some good company. It puts us in the history of the Christian faith because like Pastor Greg read in this scripture, uh, here are Paul and Silas and they're in Thessalonica and the, the powers that be, the authorities of the town, get wind that Paul and Silas are coming to town. They're like, oh no. Those are the guys that have been turning the world upside down because they say Caesar isn't king, Jesus is. We got to get those guys out of their, our town before they mess up our town. So that's what they're talking about. Everywhere the believers went, they messed with things in a holy, wonderful Amazing way. They messed with things. And that was the call of God. That is the call of God that Jesus gives us too. Remember, the last thing that Jesus said before he left was a commission, the Great Commission. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now, this is different because in the Old Testament, up until that point when Jesus said, hey, you're on the move, the faith had been something where what we did was we tried to live our faith out. We were imperfect, but we were transformed and the light of God shone from within us, and people said, what is that? I, I need to go see more about that. And so what I needed to do in the Old Testament as a faithful believer is live faithfully, and if somebody came up and said, hey, what's that about? I could say, oh, well, it's about my faith in God. Now, which of us wouldn't sign up for that? I'll do that, right? Just stand here, and if anybody comes to me, then I will talk to them about God, and if not, phew, off the hook for the day. <laughs> and Jesus says, Hey, guess what? You are the light of the world. My light is shining through you. You've got the message of good news. You've got feet. Get moving. Jerusalem, okay? That's kind of doable. I mean, it's scary. There's a lot of people there, but they speak my language. I know the culture. I know the history. Maybe I can do that. Judea. Well, I'm from the north, and 
they, you know, they were from Galilee, and there's people in the south, and they talk funny, and they make fun of my accent, and so there were some boundaries that needed to be crossed there, but it's my country, and we all speak the same language, and we have the same history, so I, I kind of can do that. Samaria? Nobody liked them. No. They were the armpit of civilization. And so most of the Jewish people would have said, you know, God, we don't like them, and we don't want you to like them, and so just pass them by. I don't, I don't want to go and save them. Let them be damned. Jesus says, go to the people you don't like to and tell them about me and let them be saved. And then go to the ends of the earth. Well, that's just cheating. Because if, if Jesus had said, go to the ends of the Roman Empire, at least you know there's the boundary and we did it. But go to the ends of the earth? It means it never stops. And I have a, I have a video, a little graphic of how, this, how the Christianity is spread throughout the world. Um, and it starts right here. See? Look at how fast it's going. That's not just the 12 disciples, right? This is ordinary people who are sharing the word. And you'll see sometimes there's expansion and then there's some contraction. This is the barbarian Scots, you know, somebody went to them. Crossed Hadrian's Wall to the barbarians. And then somebody thought, you know, as the new world is about to be discovered, well, not only do we need to discover a land, but we need to tell them the good news of God. So see, it begins here. Look at that. It spreads as expansion goes. The word of God goes with it. Now, we can look at this map and we can go, huh, 2010? Okay, we're, we're in 2016 now. Check this deal out. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Drop the mic, right? Everybody in the place where I live knows the word of God. Right? <laughs> Darn it. No, not yet. Not yet. And so there is still that call for us, and it's going to be the same that it has been for disciples throughout the ages. Jerusalem, where you begin. It's your home, where you're most familiar. Judea, it's got the same customs and cultures, but it's a little further out. Samaria, the people who it really challenges you. The ends of the earth. Okay, so when we say we believe we change the world, well, where do we start? Because that's big. Let's start where we are. Because this is where God has put us. We're gonna, can y'all show the map of where we are? Now, when you travel um, and somebody says, where are you from? Do you say the name of the town that you're actually from when you're from around here? No? Some of y'all, y'all are nodding. If I say, because my address says Spicewood. If I say Spicewood, people look at me like this. Even if I'm in Austin, I was at a shop in Austin and I was registering for something for the baby and they said, well, where are you from? And I didn't say Spicewood because nobody knows that. So I said, do you know where Bee Cave is? And the lady said, I said, okay, well, it's west of town and I live in between that town you don't know and Marble Falls. And she just was looking at me blankly. I'm like, basically, I am the ends of the earth, Right? Right? Um, I can say I am from Austin if I'm traveling, and people most of the time know where Austin is if they don't confuse it with Boston. Okay, so if God has planted us here, and God has, this is, this is the area we're from, then the first place that we are called to change the world is right here. This is where we live. 
This is the place where we're going to have the most impact, the most tremendous amount of hours and time and love to pour in to this community. And in fact, this is the community God needs us to change the most because he put us here. So that explains why on Palm Sunday, y'all know on Palm Sunday, we have a worship service at Angel's Ice House, right? Why? Is it because we love to contend with rain and wind and cold and heat and that is just awesome? Is it because Greg loves to get all of the equipment loaded up and then unpack it and then pack it back up? Is it because y'all, you guys love to unfold 400 chairs every Sunday? Is it because the ushers are like, send me some wind that will blow away the offering? That, <laughs> Yes, Lord. No, you guys, we don't do it because it's more convenient or it's more fun. In fact, it's harder work for us. We do it because we know that there are people in this community who may be too afraid to ever come to our church. And we say, well, maybe they shouldn't be, but they are. They're scared. They've never been there, but they want to know about God. And so we go to them. They'll go to a bar. They'll go to a nice house. So that's where we are. And when we talk about a fourth worship service, you guys, it would be a lot easier if we could just plug in places and have one more here. We've got it all set up. But we're hearing the call to be outside the church because that's the call of Christ, right? To go to Jerusalem and Judea and make sure that the people there get a chance to hear too. They don't have to come to us. We're going out where you are. Same reason on that Sunday, one of our largest Sundays, we give away the offering. Why don't we just keep it? It's big. We do good things, right? We're like, no, that our call that we want to share with people is that we are here for the benefit of our community. We are, yes, we grow too, but our church exists to change the world, to, to make it more like the kingdom of God. So we say, hey, every dollar you give, not only are we going to give that away, we'll match it. And it'll go to meet people's needs so that they can know God loves you, God cares for you, even at your lowest point. This is why dozens of you are at Helping Hand Crisis Ministry every Tuesday. This is why this last Saturday, y'all were rebuilding a house with Partners in Hope. This Saturday, in our community, this is why when I go over to West Cypress Hills Elementary and I'm going to read with a kid, I see your faces there. You get off work or you go early so that you can read to a child because you know if I give this one hour to this one child, it can change their life. And that's a call of God. Now, that's hard, right? But that's not it. We're called to start here and then to let the ripples of love expand throughout our world, which is why we have emergency responders in our church, people who are emergency response trained. When we had the floods in Wimberley, that broke our hearts. And 61 of y'all said, train me. I'll give a Saturday, and then when the next disaster strikes, put me on the front line. I will help. And so the circle expands to be Wimberley and Bastrop and West Texas. And we send mission teams. I'm looking at faces of people, of you who have gone year after year to Louisiana, to the Valley, to Oklahoma. 
because there's people in need. Our youth, Blueprint Ministries, every year in July in the summertime on the roof, rebuilding a home. And so we say, well, our larger area is the state of Texas and Oklahoma. And then we push beyond that because we hear about natural disasters in our country. What can we do when Sandy strikes? Well, we can't go, but I call. I call that pastor and I say, man, we, we've lived through a wildfire here in my community. And I want you to know it's hard, but God will bring good out of it. What do you need? The pastor says, well, we need, we need gas cards and we need, you know, this supplies to just clean stuff out. They're coming. We're sending you money. Get what you need for your people. So we're touching the east and the west coast of the United States. Okay, yay. Okay, well, good, right? Because we can speak English in all of those places and we get each other. Um, we don't stop there. Think about our Lucinda fundraiser that we have going. That's in addition to monthly support we send them every month to an orphanage and a school in Guatemala to help kids down there. They learn about God from missionaries, Pam and Steve. They teach them about God. They teach them, you matter, you're treasured to God. Did y'all know that we have a youth too? He serves on one of our committees and he said, oh, by the way, um, I found out that there's a big need for clean water and health care in Africa. We're like, yeah. He said, so I'm going to go. And he went. He went to help with clean water and health care for over a week. He went to Africa to help with that. That's one of our youth, just quietly following this call of God to change the world. Okay, now let's get to the, the key part of this, is when we talk about changing the world, what's that last part? We change the world together, right? Together matters, you guys. Together means it's not all on my shoulders or your shoulders. If, if it was like, and each individual member of Bee Creek will change the world. Like, oh my gosh, no. But we're changing it together. That's the way Jesus calls us to do it. Think about when he said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, and he's about to send 72 people out on their first missionary journey. And the harvest is so great, and he has just this few group of men and women. And yet when he sends them out, do you remember he sends them out two by two by two? I mean, wouldn't you think if there's not enough people, you go one by one by one, you go over there and we cover more area? No, he sends them together because together matters. They don't have to do this scary thing alone. They have a friend. Now, think about when the disciples said, hey, would you teach us the prayer to say to God? We don't really know how to pray. And they're thinking, I assume, for me to say before I begin my day, this is the, this is the prayer I'm going to say. And Jesus says, sure, I'll teach you. Our Father and Everything in that prayer is plural. It's meant to be prayed as a group. Yeah, I'll teach you to pray. You pray together. And what did Jesus say? Where two or more are gathered, there I am. So can we do faith alone? Yes, I think so. But that's not how God is calling us to do it. God is calling us to have faith together and to change the world together. And this matters not only to adults, but it matters to teens. My, my daughter came up to me. Anna is just turned 12, and she came up to me a couple months ago and said, Mom, 
She's been a member of three different churches, visited dozens. She said, I hope we never leave Bee Creek United Methodist Church. I said, me too. (laughs) But I was wondering why. You know, because for a 12-year-old, you're thinking maybe it's her room or her school or her friends. These matter to 12-year-olds. So I said, why is that? And she said, Mom, our church is what a church should be. Well, why? She said, well, when one of us is hurting, everybody else helps that person. Have you ever thought, not only when we seek to change the world, that we're having an impact out there, not just that, but we're teaching the next generation what it means to be a follower of Christ. So that you take care of each other, and you're together. And I got to see that in my life um, a couple months ago, many of y'all know we got terrible news about the baby. He's fine, okay? But there were almost two weeks where we didn't know that, and they were probably the darkest weeks of our life. And I was standing in my driveway, and my neighbor was walking her dog, and she goes to this church. And um, she came up and talked to me. She gave me a hug. She was completely kind and loving, and she knew what was going on. And she said, Laura, if you're going on a short errand, Go on your own because it's faster. But if you're going on a long journey, you need to take a group. She said, I want you to know I will be in your group. And I will go on this journey with you. And um, it meant a lot to me. And I knew that you guys are on in that same place. We have this group. We have each other. And so then the call becomes, okay, well, what about the people who are alone, who are facing the hard times in life, and they they have nobody in their group? we got to help them. You know, that's the call. That's the call to change the world. And, And thank goodness that's not all on any one of our shoulders. Thank goodness. Look around. We have each other. We have the 930 worship service and the 815 worship service, and all together there are 525 active members who one day stood up here at, this, at the front said, God, I give you five things, and one of those is, I'll help you change the world. And we say, that's at least an hour a week. Many of y'all go far beyond that. And that hour, wow. Just think the impact your hour has. Now think the impact your hour has with all the people in this service and then all the people in the 930 service and all the people at 815, and all the ones who couldn't make it this week but still give their hour. Did y'all know I added it up, 525 hours, all of us together? If you divide that out, that is the equivalent of 13 full-time staff people that every week, through your hour added with everybody else's, we give to our community. God calls us to change the world. And we were crazy enough to say yes. Do you believe it's possible? Me too. I believe it. And I see it happening. I see you doing it. Changing the world together. Let's pray. God, help us to be partners in changing the world with you. 
We know, Jesus, you are here and you are king. Help us to proclaim that in our acts of love and our kindness to other people, uh, in the way we live our lives, in our generosity, in the way we spend our time. Help us, Lord, to find that place where our gifts and our passion connect with the world's need. Help us to be a group for someone who's never had one. And show us, Lord, how to change the world one life at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.